Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? Kirby, it, it hasn't rained in this state in at least two months. Looked outside. I had to take my son somewhere. I looked outside and I see, you know, you know, usual warm, hot, dry. And so I decide to take the motorcycle. And do I have to finish the rest of the story? I think I can picture it in uh, my mind's eye, and I'm laughing already. Out out of nowhere, soaking wet, freezing. Uh, just out of nowhere. And uh, it was crazy. Sounds like you guys needed it, so uh, hopefully yeah. you're happy to take one for the team. Uh, we need we need that, every bit of that, and more, I'm afraid. Um, Curb, let's just jump right into it. Uh, let's not take too much time here, if you will. We're both busy sure. people. And we got we got information to impart to people, but uh, I think we can do it in a concise manner. What do you think? We're off to a bad start, but sure. Okay, Kerb, let's uh, let's start with if you don't mind. No. Um, I mean, there's a lot of news out there. Uh, you know, re- you know, silly season news, I guess I would call it, Kerb. Right. Uh, maybe we should just graze over that or uh, just a little bit. The rather blunt comments by Michael Andretti were a bit interesting regarding the future of a few drivers on his team. Didn't you think? I did think that was interesting. Yeah, I agree. They were blunt comments. Maybe they've already had conversations behind the scenes and there was no reason to pussyfoot around. Um, but, you know, the focus is on a guy in Hunter Ray that's had a lot of success with that team and has been with them for a long time. And, um, and of course, Mr. Popular Hinchcliffe, who, despite his poor results, um, is a popular guy, and I'm sure there will be no joy in uh, in having to part with him at the end of the year, assuming that's what's going to happen. It's just, I mean, when you see a guy that blunt about things, and he can only be talking about really two of his drivers, right, um, you just get the impression that maybe there's a bit of anger there as well. Forget Hinchcliffe. Uh, you can't blame Hunter Ray for everything that's happened to him. He has had a lot of bad fortune, a lot of mechanicals, so on no so question. forth. No question. No question. I'd be surprised if there's anger there, unless there's been some sort of, you know, behind the scenes um, animosity somewhere between uh, Hunter Ray and the team. It may be just a matter of being blunt to save everybody a lot of trouble and everybody a lot of time, and let everybody know where they stand, so that he can do what he has to do without uh, hiding behind corners while he does it, and Hunter Ray and and Hinch can do what they got to do without you know, sneaking around uh, while they do it. Yeah, it could be. I, I, I don't, you don't even get the impression it was like trying to light a fire under somebody's bed or anything like that. It's just kind of like, yeah, there's going to be changes. I kind of thought you know, like DHL as a sponsor last year was uh, kind of iffy about coming back was the impression I had. How long for it sure. took for Hunter Ray to get re-signed. And but I did hear uh, somewhere else that uh, DHL is committed to return uh, next year and uh, they're not tied at the hip to Hunter Ray. An interesting bit of news, if it's true. Yeah, you could have uh, them and Genesis uh, jumping drivers uh, by the end of the year. Um, the other little tidbit that you know we should just uh, mention real quick is uh, the the apparent uh, desire of Aero Schmidt McLaren to have uh, a third car, which is a little surprising in the sense that they can't seem to get the second one right. I agree. I, I, that's that was kind of my thought when I read that was that uh, maybe you ought to solidify things with that second car and for another season before you go out and get another one. They seem to feel like the more data and the more feedback they can get, the better they can make the whole programs. Well, look, McLaren's on a roll, baby. They're uh, third in the Constructors' Championship in F1. So there well, you then, go. Well, you know what? That's probably what it is. 
They want to bring Lando Norris over to IndyCar. <laughs> yeah, why didn't we think of that earlier? <laughs> Lando, as you're probably more than pleased to know, is outperforming your favorite F1 driver substantially this year. Is he really? Oh, killing him. Okay, your your pretend non knowledge of F1 is 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 uh, tedious at times. And anyways, your buddy Danny Ricks uh, not exactly having a banner year here. Um, I hate to hear that. I know you do. God only imagine the Drive to Survive episode where he's contemplating his next move while back jumping back in back. while jumping into some body of water. Um, <laughs> Smiling and claiming his freedom. He's free. He's free. He's really I, – I mean, I have to say it again. That guy, he comes across, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he is a, just a total dunderhead. <laughs> Curb. We spoke uh, in podcast pass about you know who was still in the the race for the championship in IndyCar. We had, I think we had it down to eight after Road America. It seems like that field has narrowed substantially. What do you say? I think we're down to three. The way I look at, it, I don't think uh, there's enough time left for for New Garden to overcome an 88 point deficit. Uh, I don't care how hot he gets. Or how hot his mechanics get. There is no double points, as you pointed out to me previously. There's no double points at the end of the season in the Bass race. So that really kind of narrows the field. That and, uh, you know, you lose the Toronto race. So instead of eight races to go, there's only seven. So that's two races worth of points that uh, would have been there the last time they had a full season in 2019 versus this year. Yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm going to say the f- field's narrowed to four. I'm not ready to throw a uh, new garden out just yet. So I, I'll go to four. It's amazing. Number five, Mr. Simon Pagano is to me, at least, is number five. It's like if it, it feels like to me in my mind's eye, the guy's been nowhere all season. And yet there he sits smiling in fifth. Uh, I agree. Strong finish at Indy has uh, plated his his uh, his points. Tied heading into Road America, I think, for fifth with VK. And obviously VK did not earn any points at Road America. So, you know, a couple of uh, turns of fortune there for Pagano. You know, I look back, he had a decent run um, in the first handful of races. You know, might have been doing better than we remembered, uh, but it's certainly not done anything memorable this year outside of that Indy 500. I just think if you look at like Will Power in 11th, and compare you would say power's been in in it in a lot of these races you know obviously he's had some unfortunate mishaps and so forth but i feel like he's been in it uh, you know a lot this year whereas uh, you just don't feel that way with pagina you really should have won the first bell Isle race on the podium again in road america um he's been more he's had more highs than pagino but uh he's had more lows than pagino too unfortunately you know 10 points at indy i don't know what place that was but 30th or something you know so yeah. you yeah. if you uh, tank it into you're really in trouble in the points yeah that's for sure probably this year more than ever but curb uh, we got at least you, you say three i say four who uh who, who's your horse uh, going into the championship boring to pick the guy that's already in the lead but uh, i think palau has been very consistent and my money's on Palau. It's hard to cross you on that too much, Curb. I'm going to stick with Award, as I uh, I think we both felt like, you know, had a pretty good shot going into it um, a couple podcasts ago. But I'm not feeling overly confident about it. And, and I'm just amazed, and I know this is cliche to say, but I'm just amazed that Dixon's in there lurking. Because he doesn't really feel like, other than at Indy, he's really been a factor this year in a lot of these races. And yet there he is. Not 
shoot himself in the foot. We've had a long time here to stare at these standings while we've been talking and uh, before the show. The lowest number of points he's taken out of any race this year was 23 points at the Grand Prix of Indy or the Indy GP or whatever they call it. Uh, you know, even awards got an 11 point uh, result at St. Pete. Um, Palau's got a 14 point at St. Pete and 15 points at the first Bell Isle race. New Garden's in fourth, and he's got a seven-pointer at Barber. He wrecked there on the first lap. Dixon just doesn't have those days for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just remarkable. Um, he doesn't seem to – I haven't felt like he's had really the top-end speed very much this year except for at Indy. Yeah, it's amazing. Maybe we should both be picking him because at the end of the day, you know, I mean, you got two relatively new talents in Palau and Award, you know, and, you know, even though Aaron McLaren's a very good team this year, you'd have to question if they're – the team that Chip Ganassi racing is Palau. It's just like, you know, relative inexperience on, on tracks and so forth. And maybe, uh, maybe we should be picking Dixon, both of us. Palau's on the same team with Dixon has the same equipment, has the same team behind him. So, um, there's no advantage for Dixon there. I don't think, you know, Dixon can be the tortoise and be slow and steady, but he's got to pick a 53, 54 points somewhere along the way. And that's a tall order. I think. Well, if either Palau or, or award win this, uh, hats off to him. I mean, that will be that'll be a true coming of age for for those drivers. Oh yeah, definitely, yep. definitely. Curb. Um, the other thing I wanted to get into a little bit here is Jimmy Johnson. There's been a fair amount of talk. You drumming, Curb? <laughs> uh, just rattling my fingers there on the uh, desktop. <laughs> yeah, Okay, well, I, I didn't know if... Uh, it's amazing how sensitive this microphone must be. Yeah, uh, John Bonham sounded like he was in the room back from the dead. Um, well, there's a compliment. There you go. Leaving John Bonham aside, we're talking about Jimmy Johnson. And there's been a little bit of a kerfuffle where some people are like really on him, saying, God, the guy's nowhere, he's, he's slow, he's three seconds behind here, he's way off the pace. And then there was some IndyCar drivers, including uh, Rossi and Hinch and a few others, coming to his defense and like, you know, no, he's actually doing pretty well and everything. Kerb, I don't want to get into that fray about, you know, that so much. I'm just going to go back to the original is, is he on the original schedule? Because a lot of times people announce these schedules like, you know, it's a two-year program. But the reality is they're really thinking, yeah, it's a two-year program, but I'm expecting them to get a top five in the first four races, right? And, right. I mean, that's the un- unstated expectation. Curb, is Jimmy Johnson on schedule with his progress at this point, your opinion? I think he is. Um, I think that aside from Chip Ganassi predicting a win for him this year, um, nobody else really had high expectations, including Jimmy Johnson. I'm sure that he was – forthright with his sponsors about that, that this was a, you know, I think for him, a passion project and something he wanted to experience. And I think that's what it's been so far. And I think he's done, I think he's represented himself fairly well. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that he probably has caused a decent percentage of the yellow flags this season. And uh, they've all been harmless. Nobody's been hurt uh, or other cars affected, really. They've been always single car incidents, but nine races in now, I guess, and only six for him. The yellow flag count is is climbing. The snarky among us uh, like to pick on him for that. But that aside, I think he's done a decent job, and I think he always knew, and I think he was always honest about the fact that year one would be a learning curve. Uh, There's just not enough testing allowed to 
you know, to really expect to do a lot better. And so the, the races are tests for him and we're seeing that play out, but I think he, I think he improves every weekend at each track. I think he represents himself fairly well at each track. And, and I don't think he didn't proclaim that he was going to come in here and show us, you know, show the IndyCar crowd how it's done or anything. He, I think he came in with the right attitude and uh, he still has it. So I'm hearing for you, that's a rather uh, long way of saying he's on schedule. He's on schedule. Okay, thank you. Look, it's fair enough to say that, I mean, you look at open wheel drivers and their success in stock car or lack thereof. It is very, very difficult. He's very, very old in terms of driving, you know, an IndyCar driver. I'm not sure he's ever going to get there. I mean, I I could see the schedule kind of just pootering out and he just stops improving. Um, so he might be on schedule now. The question is, if he doesn't improve much from where he's at today, then he's at some point he's going to fall off schedule. But I'll accept your analysis that at this point he's on schedule. I mean, I, I got to think he's still got margins for improvement, wouldn't you think? You know, I would think he would still find a few tents here and there at every track between this year and next year. I would hope. Well, that's a, that, but that's the whole thing, Curve. It's like you know, when you when you're racing cars and driving cars and like it's getting those last few tents is what separates the men from the boys, right? I, I don't know if he's going to be able to get those last few tenths. I just don't. So well, but I, 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 I think he's got more than a few tenths remaining, though. Right, yeah, right now so, right now he's got about, you know, two seconds or a second and a half, right? So, so you know, I mean, I th- let's just say it's ten tenths and that he can pick up three or four of those tenths from, one, from year one to year two, you know, get, at a given track. If he can do that and if he can eliminate – the uh, single car, you know, lazy spins by definition, he'll be better. Right. I mean, yeah. I, look, uh, look, if he can get within a half a second by next year, I'll be impressed. How's yeah. that? There you go. Curb. Same question. Scotty M. Uh, I, I think Scotty M is a slight disappointment. Um, I think unlike Jimmy Johnson, I think Scotty M came in with not publicity, but more fanfare in terms of his abilities at this stage of his career as a driver um, through testing. Um, a lot of the other drivers, we're singing his praises at this point, sitting 12th in the standings uh, behind power is a bit of a disappointment, not a huge disappointment. But uh, since that podium at uh, Texas kind of raised expectations a little bit, and I think he's been fairly mediocre the last handful of races and, and kind of slipping from the consciousness. Yes, I, I agree with that. I think I think the secret expectations behind Scotty M was that he was going to be the second coming of Robert Wickens. Right. Um, I just kind of feel like there's a lot of people that were expecting that, like, whoa, he's, you know, he's there all the time. And and we're not seeing that. And I'm not saying it's not there, but I, I think the jury's still out. My guess is the jury's still out at the Penske uh, uh, group as well. Curb, um, did you notice uh, Coda Race ticket sales are up? Are they? Yeah. <laughs> You know, you know me. I don't pay much attention to, to yeah. Uh, Formula One. Uh, yeah, sorry, Formula One. And and uh, there was a survey taken. Uh, uh, yeah. They were trying to they were trying to figure out why. Um, uh, perhaps you might want to impart uh, the the results of that survey with our fine listeners. Well, uh, the the uh, apparently the sales are up so much they're adding grandstands to handle demand. Um, they found that forty seven percent. Of ticket buyers this year were first-time ticket buyers, and uh, that intrigued them, and so they put out the survey, as you describe, and um, the results were that uh, I think I don't know remember exactly, but at a high percentage, I'm going to say 60 to 75 percent of those first-time ticket buyers 
were motivated by um, uh, some TV show. I can't remember the name of it, but some something they saw on TV, and um, and that has apparently sparked their interest in in attending a Formula One. Well, I think it's higher than sixty or seventy percent, and uh, I'll uh, I'll help you out with your uh, fading memory on the subject. It's Drive to Survive, Curb. Drive to Survive. The Netflix series, which you loathe so much and uh, have just duffed, done nothing but besmirch, and yet, uh, much like the management of IndyCar, has uh, ignored it at your own peril. And so here we are uh, again. Uh, this is a microphone drop as far as I'm concerned. It's like, yep, we needed to be doing that uh, as soon as we saw it. And, uh, I mean, that the, the proof is now – it's out there for everybody to behold. I disagree in the sense that um, um, despite the fact that I don't care for the show and haven't watched it since uh, I fell asleep during episode six of season one, um, I think I've acknowledged its, its ability to create new fans. And uh, obviously, I probably undersold. Uh, we might have both underestimated how much it's going <laughs> to create new fans for Formula One in America. So, you know, I'm sure everybody now is trying to do it. They're planning to try to do it. Uh, NASCAR, IndyCar, IMSA, Hypercars, who knows who else is going to try to do it. But, uh, <laughs> Local go-kart track. Uh, I'll, I'll SRX will probably have a reality series out before IndyCar does. So, <laughs> um, so hopefully by the time uh, IndyCar gets theirs out, it won't be too crowded of a, of a marketplace for... Well, it will be. I think we both know that. It's just... I've got envy. I've got envy on behalf of IndyCar over F1 on this one. Curb, uh, let's uh, jump into the picks at Mid-Ohio, if you don't mind. At Mid-Ohio. Okay. Who's up first? I believe you are. I'm going to go with uh, New Garden with a Vengeance. Wow. I'm stupefied. He should have won the last two races, right? And he's got to be seething inside. So I I think he won the last year, too, didn't he? uh, Yeah, I think so. I'm going to have to go with Mr. Mid-Ohio because you just left him there as Mr. Dixon. Um, he's also obviously highly motivated at this point. Uh, this will be the track where he can make up some ground. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to pick him here. I guess he was there. He won in 2019, I guess, didn't he? Uh, holding off that late charge from his teammate, Rosenquist. That's right. All right. Well, I'm going to go with the second most angry driver in uh, the series and go with Will Power. Good choice. Um, uh, I mean, he does do well at that track as well. He's fast there. Uh, I'm going to have to take Colton Hurdicker here. I hope this is one of his good days. Well, uh, he did do well last year there. Uh, I think Andretti uh, did well as a team there last year. So, And I think he's the number one Andretti driver. So there you go. I'm picking him. And you know what? Fritsch, he'll be back this weekend so he can run him off the course again. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, okay, my third pick, I'm going to, uh, again, this might be a bit boring, but I'm going to go with Alex Palau, the <laughs> series leader. almost forgot about him. Uh, it's hard believe to believe it. he's still sitting there five picks in. But uh, I know, I know. I mean, that says something. But, yeah, probably uh, probably the right and appropriate moment to pick uh, Mr. Palau. Uh, okay, well, that leaves me hung up with a bit of a conundrum between uh, Mr. Rossi and Mr. Award. I mean, Rossi I- had a couple of good races there last year. Again, the team was good there last year. So there's no reason to think he can't duplicate that result. On the other hand, uh, this year, him and the team have been awful. I don't remember how Ward did there last year, but uh, he's kind of like Herta. He's been kind of up and down this year. So 
Do you want to gamble on up and down, or you want to gamble on a good history? Well, I think I'm going to take the history and go with Rossi. Yeah. It was about about this point last year where they picked it up at Andretti, and and Rossi began his uh, charge at the end of the year to close out pretty strongly. So, Curb, uh, look like it's getting time to wrap up. Anything uh, you want to chuck in there before we sign off? Well, you know, I mentioned uh, before we we uh, started the show that I'd found uh, finally found a, a silver lining to James Hinchcliffe's season. Would you like to hear what it is? Really, do tell. You might be surprised to know that Hinchcliffe's averaging average finishing position is actually better than his starting position. Really? I, I was a little surprised to see. So his average starting spot this year has been 18th, which is kind of an indictment all of itself, all of its own. But he's been finishing on average 17.9. So uh, he is improving on his starting spot on average every race. Whoa. Uh, you know, just more more mediocrity to pile on Mr. Hinchcliffe. I apologize for doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've really been on the guy, but I just think it's been so shocking. But it's just been – I mean, there's no way he has a job next year, right? It, it, he's got to be in the booth. Even more surprising, I guess I've said this before, is just the apathy and the way he describes race weekends week after week. Yeah, we didn't have much there. Finished about the way we thought we would, you know. <laughs> just, yeah. All right, Curb. I think we'll wrap it up on that rather dour note. Um, <laughs> uh, happy Fourth, everybody. Enjoy the race in Ohio. Have a good weekend and a good holiday. Take care.